Hello, this is Penn Gillette. If I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. The Libra Cube. That is a podcast we haven't heard yet. Might be good, might be terrible. The Libro Cube Podcast with host Jordan Maywood. All right, here we go. This comes to us from our good friend Jordan Maywood. You call hamburger steamed ham. Yes. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cuber Glass. This show, why does it exist? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Why are you listening to it? I love you for doing so. And yet still ask the question. Beg the question. Uh, well, I think I've sort of figured it out over the 596, technically over 600 episodes with the special, you know, your, your nerd can ones, uh, you got your, your, uh, yeah, your fan expo, uh, what else you got? Some, some other special episodes hither and yon, although that was in the before times. I don't know if we'll ever have a nerd cane episode again, which saddens me. I am saddened by that fact. But it's a different world, much like the television show, A Different World. Uh, God damn. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I consume vast quantities of media. I talk about it on this. Um, that's it, really. That's it. At least until episode 600, which is obviously fast approaching. I mean, not that fast, because it's one episode a week. So we've still got some weeks to go before it happens, but still, yeah, but still getting close. And that's when things are going to change a little bit, a little less formatty, a little more off the railsy. Sure. Let's say that. Let's also say I'm going to push a button that will start the first of a segments, the first of a segments. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, almost forgot to say that you may not have consumed some of this media yourself. So I warn I don't want to spoil it for you and I might say things that do so depending on your you know level of spoilership if you have a level I don't know I don't know you but I want to get to know you and Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is the Robocop Genital Reconstruction Clinic. Thank you for that sponsorship. Oh, we've got a bit of a treat here. Actually, I have not had a movie monologue so jelly-packed, and I can't remember how long, so, you know, that's a thing. <clears throat> uh, movie the first, Robocop. From 1987. Yes, the first Robocop. The better, let's face it. Although, you know what I should do? I don't really know if I care enough to do it. <laughs> I was going to say I should watch the remake, which I didn't mind. Like, it was it was fine. It's just, you know, when you want a Robocop movie, you're going to watch the original one, right? I feel like. From 1987. In that dystopic and crime-ridden Detroit, a terminally wounded cop returns to the force as a powerful cyborg haunted by submerged memories. Jesus. Starring Peter Weller. Peter Weller, 
while we're on the subject of uh, the aforementioned Nerd Cane Adventures, should you Google that phrase, Nerd Cane Adventures, you will see a cane held by hundreds, probably hundreds by the end of it, uh, hundreds of different cosplayers. You will see the same cane uh, held by and autographed by many nerdy celebrities, including... Peter Weller, who I met <laughs> when I did meet him and assigned the cane, he took out a, a, a marker and tried to use it and it uh, was dead and he just threw it over his shoulder and said, fuck this or something. I forget exactly what he said. I know I talked about it in that particular podcast episode, uh, but it was fun to see. Like He seemed like he was a little crazy and I was all on board for it. Uh, so, you know, Peter Weller, thank you for being your Peter Wellerist. Uh, we also got Ronnie Cox, who's always a great bad guy. Uh, also bad, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> it's funny, uh, Red Foreman, his career pre-Red Foreman was, I feel like he was in other movies like this, was he not? Where he played sort of a, a, a bad guy? Yeah, he was, he was really good in this. Ray Wise, you got in there? You, you got some names. You definitely got some names and familiar faces. Um, if you have not seen any RoboCop movies... Would you like this? Yeah, I feel like it is a movie that, if you like sort of 80s dumb action movies, this is that. And it does it so, so very well. Uh, easy rating for me of, oh, I was just going to say 5 out of 5? Like, I, 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 you know, spoiler alert, I watched all three of them. Uh, and I freaking loved them. Uh, I, I forgot how much, in fact, I did like them. Also, uh, you know, shot in Canada, I do believe, which is fun. In Toronto, which is, you know, not too far from where I am, which is also fun. Uh, yeah, so it's ridiculous over the top. Uh, they do something that sort of reminded me of uh, Super Troopers with, like, the fake commercials and news uh, uh sort of lore dumps, <laughs> which is fun. Uh, what is less fun, uh, you know, as we get into these movies, as I talk about them a little bit, is seeing things that they thought in the, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, that would be a, a dystopian future that we are actually factually happening in the real world today. Uh, so, you know, that's less fun. It's less fun to witness that. Let's say, uh, okay, so RoboCop, the first one, fuck it, five out of five. Why not? It's a great for what it is movie. RoboCop 2 from 1990. Cyborg law enforcer RoboCop returns to protect the citizens of old Detroit, but faces a deadly challenge when a rogue OCP member secretly creates a new evil RoboCop 2. <laughs> I love how it, uh, the description has Robo... The description of RoboCop 2 has RoboCop 2 in the description. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, so this has one of the sort of famous fictional drugs uh, of, uh, you know, you know sci-fi quite often uh, has this. It's called Nuke, and it's, you know, the most addictive substance ever made. Uh, and the, the, the maker, the creator, the chemist of this thing is sort of, uh, turned into a bit of a religious figure, uh, played by, mm, let's see, Tom Noonan, 
which might not necessarily be a actor that you're familiar with his name, but I feel like it's probably, you know, you watch enough movies, you'll see. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just seeing the, uh, the, the mayor, the mayor in this, uh, played by Willard E. Pug, P-U-G-H. I don't know how you would say that. He is, I think the most over the top performance I've ever seen in any movie ever. And I fucking loved it. Loved it. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Gabriel Damon, who's a, a young actor. I feel around this time, uh, 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 a, a child actor who we saw in quite a few things. Uh, somehow, some way, he's like the right hand man of this uh, uh, this cultish uh, gang, this cultish druggy gang, uh, which was fun to see. Uh, <laughs> an interesting choice. In fact. In these movies in general, uh, these RoboCop movies, they make some interesting choices. And just the fact that these exist, I love and sort of saddened by the fact that I feel like movies these days don't really take chances like they do in fucking RoboCop 2. Like just the name alone, RoboCop. I feel like we wouldn't have a movie like that today. And it saddens me. Uh, yeah, this one also really good fucking five out of five ish. Yeah, it's in the neighborhood and I loved it. Loved it. They're, they're just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Moving on to Robocop three. Robocop three is one that I am not sure if I had seen like bits and pieces seem familiar. So I'm pretty sure I did like the first two I'd probably seen Robocop. I'd probably seen, you know, four times Robocop two, maybe two or three, somewhere in that neighborhood. This one, maybe once, uh, first and foremost, you know, we're going to have to take a bit of a knockoff because it's not Peter Weller playing the titular Robocop. Uh, you know, the, the, the actor in question, Robert John Burke, uh, uh, did an admirable job. He also f sort of falls into that category, I bet, of actors who you may not recognize the name, but if you uh, uh, see him, you probably will. Uh, the uh, the IMDA, oh, this is from 1993. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Seems like they made one every three years. That's cool. Uh, Robocop saves the day once more. <laughs> this time, the half-man, half-robot takes on ruthless developers who want to evict some people on quote-unquote their land yeah so this is all about uh, displacing poor people uh, you know gentrifying and uh, 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 mega corporations having power over the people yeah huh let's hope that never happens jesus yeah this was the worst of the ones in which you see things happening in it and be like okay this is what they thought would be ridiculous to happen in a dystopian future. And we look at today and see, yeah, this is, you know, happening. This is happening. Things like this happen. And it's disgusting and sad. And uh, let's take a mark off for that reason. Uh, and then take a mark off for not having Peter Weller. So we'll go closer to three. It's still good. It's still a Robocop movie. One thing that this actual one excels at even compared to the first two is the cast so many names that uh, I, I feel like you'll rep recognize uh, goddamn Rip Torn uh, Mako you will recognize uh, uh, I guess this is an order of appearance CCH Pounder because that's a name you'll recognize her I bet 
Steven Root. Fucking love me some Steven Root. Daniel Von Bargan, a.k.a. Uh, Kruger from Seinfeld. Uh, there's just a, t- a ton of uh, character actor names that I feel like uh, you'll watch this and will recognize. Um, uh, I guess we'll leave off by saying in RoboCop 3, he flies... He gets like a fucking jetpack on and flies around people. Watch yourself some Robocop. See what you think. Let me know. Moving on to from 2021. We are jumping far ahead. Red Notice. Oh, this Netflix created film. Uh, it's one of those ones where it just sort of kept popping up. Uh, Netflix sort of assuming that I would like it based on previous watchings and ratings of things. And I got to say, they were not incorrect as they very infrequently are. An Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief. Oh, very short and somewhat apt description from Imbda. So, uh, this, of course, stars uh, Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and oh, uh, Gal Gadot. Said how I, I heard her on Jimmy Kimmel the other day say how you're actually supposed to pronounce it, and I think that's correct. Gal Gadot. Ah, God, I could be wrong. Or Gal Gadot, if you prefer. You know, uh, she's not too picky about uh, the pronunciation, which uh, I appreciate. Uh, this is definitely, I feel like, Ryan Reynolds at his Ryan Reynoldsiest, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it makes for a you know, fun, lighthearted, often silly, some plot holy, uh, uh, action heisty movie. You know, you, you, uh, of a movie like this, not dissimilar to Robocop, <laughs> comparing Robocop to Red Notice, not dissimilar, you get what you expect. Uh, is that a bad thing? No, not necessarily. It, it is a, uh, action y heisty, you know, some quips quips fucking galore quips at the wazoo i've never heard a quippier movie i don't think uh i i think robin uh, robin reynolds uh ryan reynolds and uh, uh the rock do well together and uh, gal gadot I, I don't think i've ever seen her in anything where i haven't just thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh you know her performance as well as just her because she's one of the most beautiful women in the world and hey i am a man i am a man Rating-wise, I go four. Yeah, uh, if you're familiar with my rating scale, three is enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And definitely had enjoyment, and I could see a situation where I would watch this again, you know, somewhere far down the road where uh, it, it, it would have to reach that point uh, where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie. I don't really remember what happens, but uh, I think I remember liking it. That sort of uh, uh, erased enough from my mind that I don't remember it. That's that, that's what needs to happen to a lot of movies with my rewatching. Robocop, for example, uh, uh, the better the movie, the less time between viewings uh, there will be, that, that sort of idea. I wonder if I'm alone in that. Like, uh, and it's almost just sort of that scenario. Like, how do I know that there's a really distinct feeling? Like, I can look at, say, say give me a list of 100 movies that I've seen, and I will be able to tell just by glancing at the titles whether or not I am ready to rewatch them. And it's it's quick. It's not like I have to look at it and think about it. It would be like, yes, no, yes, no, 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 yes, no, yes. Like it's obvious to me. I wonder, I wonder why that is or if others have, 
if others have that uh, phenomenon, let's say. Hmm. Moving on to a movie I had never seen from 1988, Elvira, colon, Mistress of the Dark. Oh. <laughs> yes, this is starring, of course, Elvira. Uh, played by, what is her, uh, Cassandra Peterson, Cassandra Peterson. Yes. Uh, uh, upon arriving in a small town, she has inherited a rundown mansion. A famous horror hostess battles an evil uncle and townspeople who want her burned at the stake. If you're unfamiliar with Elvira, um, very popular back in the, uh, this day, obviously she got a movie. She would host, a. Uh, show similar to and you know what to be honest i don't exactly know the lore necessarily like i wasn't uh it's not even that i wasn't a big fan it's just i didn't i feel like i didn't have ready access to elvira back in the day uh, a show like um mystery science theater where you know she will uh play a you know a, a shitty uh b uh, uh, maybe even see movie, uh, uh, often of the horror or sci-fi variety. And then, you know, a uh, quip, yeah, the aforementioned quips, she will crack wise while watching it in this sort of persona of hers, uh, Elvira, mistress of the dark, which is sort of, a f man, is she like the, the first goth? <laughs> I bet you, you know, people, uh, 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 women in particular of 1998 who were fans of Elvira, I bet you she, for lack of a better word, created a lot of goth women, uh, which is sort of fascinating. In fact, I think I might even know one, uh, Leanna Vamp, uh, who has probably not come in the, up on the podcast for a while, just for the reason that I haven't done a nerd cane adventure. Hey, look, we're, we're tying things together again. I used to, uh, uh, uh get those pictures with, uh, both professional and non-professional cosplayers alike. Uh, Leanna Vamp was one of the professional ones. Um, uh, definitely, uh, often has a very goth vibe. Uh, in fact, uh, and I was telling the missus this, uh, when, uh, just as I was watching this, she, she didn't watch this with me, but she did walk by as I was watching it and said, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> Uh, which is a sort of an indication of this movie. Anyways, uh, Lana Vamp was married by Elvira, the actual real one, uh, 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 IRL. So that's pretty cool. Uh, married, you know, performed the ceremony. So that's fun. Uh, just on the note of Lana Vamp, because I have to say it every time, uh, she comes up, or at least I did in the before times when I went to cons, she is gotta be the nicest of the cosplayers I've ever met unsolicited hug just like you know nice so nice always seemingly happy to see me which is just a, a delight a goddamn delight okay uh yeah so the movie is insane uh reminiscent somehow some way i don't wonder if anyone's ever made this comparison i bet they have of a sort of peewee uh like a a, a big top peewee you know peewee's playhouse less so but more of the movies uh, it, it's just, you know what I think it is? It's this ridiculous character, Pee-wee and Elvira, uh, put into a sort of normal everyday world and watching the world react to this, uh, you know, sort of insane character. This has the addition of, you know, uh, magic. Uh, uh, we find out her mom was a witch. Uh, she has magical powers, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I really, really liked it. I, I was actually surprised how much I liked it. Um, 
uh, uh, what's her name again? Uh, uh, Cassandra Peterson. Yeah, she's really, really, uh, she really sort of leans into this role. She's not afraid to be uh, corny and dumb and tell uh, boob jokes galore. Uh, if, yeah, if you're unfamiliar with uh, 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 Elvira, her boobs are basically out. You know, they're just they're just out there. Uh, also surprising, there was uh, quite a few recognizable people in this, which uh, I was, you know, it was interesting to see. Uh, 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 names like, if I can, Topcast. Uh, okay, I'm not seeing any names I actually recognize, but but faces you will recognize. Yeah, let, let, let me put it that way instead. Uh, rating wise, I, I don't think I'll go five out of five because it is, you know, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, but it's goddamn up there, and that is a convoluted rating, I know. Moving on to from 1983. Oh yeah, we're jumping all over the uh, the 90s and uh, 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 80s in this particular movie monologue. Um, I watched for I think the second time, although it's been many many years, so barely remembered anything. Uh, I watched this one with the misses because it is a horror movie, so of course I did. The Dead Zone from 1983. A man awakens from a coma to discover he has a psychic ability. Uh, of course, starring Christopher Walken. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Tom Skerritt's in here. We've got a few names in this one as well. Martin Sheen. Mar Marty Sheen. Jackie Burroughs. Yeah, I recognize her. She's still alive. Let's see if Jackie Burroughs is still alive. Uh, died in 2010 in Toronto. Huh. At the age of 71. Well, RIP Jackie Burroughs. You were in a lot of good stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So, based on a Stephen King novel, uh, a novel I read, I wonder if... Oh, you know what? Let's do this. I'm going to type in The uh, Dead Zone. Now, did I read it? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, so, this was pre-podcast. Uh, I was just looking to see... the One of the beautiful things of having a podcast in which you... Uh, discuss all the media you consume is you can type in the name of something like the dead zone uh, and then if it pops up you'll know if you have read that book uh, it didn't pop up so well I know I have read it uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't during the podcast it was pre 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 2012 uh, I do remember liking it uh, as well as this movie and uh, I gotta say I was Almost surprised, actually, which I kind of don't know why I was, uh, with how well this stood up. Like, um, yeah, uh, somehow a movie from 1983, I feel like you could watch this. You know what I think it is? Oh, shit. You know what I've just sort of put together is, okay, I, I, I'm going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen The Dead Zone from 1983, you know, you blew it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Christopher Walken gets psychic powers. Uh, he saves some people. Uh, some interesting things happen, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he, he sort of gets these glimpses into the future by, uh, uh, touching your hand. So, uh, when he, when he sort of shake your hand, it's not, you know, automatic that it will happen, but it's, uh, you know, quite often does. So he's shaking the hand of Martin Sheen, who's a politician who, you know, has dreams of becoming president. And he is very, 
uh, seemingly very Trump-esque in his, you know, whole uh, corruption, uh, asshole, maniac, you know, that sort of vibe. Uh, so uh, when he learns that in the future, this, uh, uh, will, the, this individual will actually become president, uh, and learns that he sort of goes mad or madder, uh, and, you know, releases the nukes. Uh, we don't actually learn, I can't remember if we did in the book or not, but we don't learn where he releases the nukes. That's not really relevant, I suppose. Um, but we learn he, you know, sort of goes crazy in the middle of one night and does so. Um, so then, uh, Christopher Walken has this decision, uh, and, and sort of writes it or, or, or justifies it akin to if you knew what Hitler was going to do, uh, you know, before he did it, would you seek out that individual and kill him? Uh, uh, the answer, you know, for most people probably, uh, with, uh, I guess there's some extreme pacifists, which might have a different answer, uh, would say, yeah, of course. Yeah, it would save how many millions of lives if I did that? Uh, it's like killing uh, killing baby Hitler. Of course you do. Anyways, uh, so he decides he's going to kill Martin Sheen. Um, and that sort of begs the question, you know, if you knew this thing was going to happen, would you stop it despite the fact that uh, you're probably not going to get away with it uh, and quite likely will be killed? Whew. Yeah, tough call, isn't it? Uh, tough call. Mm. Uh, Rating-wise for the dead zone, yeah, I'll go like a solid four or uh, some some interesting, yeah, a solid four. We'll stick with a solid four. I very rarely use solid ratings, but this, we'll get to it. All right, uh, and then lastly, just an honorable mention since uh, I don't really, like I watch stand-up often, but I don't really bring it back to talk about it because, you know, bringing stand-up back to talk about is like, there's, there's not, I feel like there's not much point, which is interesting because I listen to a podcast, uh, what is it, Good One, and I think uh, The Last Laugh, like there's a few podcasts where I listen to where it's people talking of stand-up, but I don't know, like what do I say about it? I laughed, they told jokes whatever. Uh, but, but, but this one in particular, I enjoyed. So I wanted to give it a honorable mention. Uh, it is James Acaster cold lasagna. Uh, he has some incredible stories. It was like two hours long too, which I was shocked by. Uh, highly, highly recommend if you like stand up, I think you'll love it. Uh, and even if you don't, I don't know. He, he does it in such a way where it's, it's not one man showy necessarily, but it, it's just, he's got some incredible stories, uh, uh, some incredible and, and stories that have become sort of famous as well. So, uh, we'll highly recommend that to you looking for button to push here. Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Cloud9. Thank you for that sponsorship. All right, uh, we're here talking Superstore season one to five. Shit. Yeah, uh, I say shit because there's apparently six seasons available. However, the sixth is not available on Netflix, where the Mrs. and I watched these first five seasons. It took us a while 
to uh, get through these because we have, uh, how do I explain it? We have like certain times, certain days in which we watch certain types of show. So we'll always have a show like Superstore, uh, like a, like a half hour comedy on the go that we watch usually only, uh, we, we sort of almost 100% of the time relegate that type of show to Saturday, uh, while we're hanging out before and during dinner, that, 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 that sort of time frame. So it takes us, you know, a little, like we did it with Frasier, although Frasier's we would do more, you know, during the week sometimes, which we did with this as well. Anyways, uh, 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 so the sixth season, I got to somehow get my hands on, I guess, uh, uh, with, uh, means that will be illicit. Who can say, who can say, <laughs> Uh, and, and I got to do so because we fucking love the show. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the sort of premise is it's taking place in what is, you know, basically a Walmart is, is sort of how we look at it. Uh, picture a, a half hour long, uh, 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 you know, network comedy that takes place inside of a Walmart. And that's what you got here. Uh, you've got America Ferreira who you know, it's interesting. I had heard her name, America Ferreira, cause it's, it's sort of a name, you know, that's, that's an interesting name, but I, I don't know if I ever actually saw her in anything. And, uh, after seeing this, you know, big fan, which will go through uh, a lot of these people, uh, uh, names that I didn't necessarily recognize going in, but after watching five seasons of this, uh, incredibly funny, uh, television show, I am now fans and will follow them. We'll follow them. We've got Ben Feldman as Jonah Sims. Uh, he, I don't want to say the show revolved around him, but he was sort of our in. Uh, he's like a uh, sort of a, a intellectual leaning type who uh, pretended to. Uh, he, maybe this is why I felt some kinship towards him. He like uh, uh, said, told his parents that he was in medical school when he actually was not or had dropped out. Uh, I when I. F- the first time I went to college <laughs> of the two times I went, uh, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, this will be a good, you know, sort of post episode, uh, 599 talk, which maybe we'll do. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I took like general arts and sciences, which, you know, you're wasting your time, it, it, um, you know, travel, get a job, do anything, but go to college not knowing what you want to do because you're just going to waste it. It's wasted time and money. Anyways, uh, so uh, I, I didn't so much drop out as just instead of going to college, I would quite often just go see a movie. Uh, so it, it, picture that scenario, but instead he got a job at a Walmart. Uh, it's called Cloud Nine uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the series. Wait a second, that's the sponsor. Huh, that's the sponsor of the segment. Could be a little, uh, it's a little shady, I might say. Hmm. Uh, Lauren Ash as uh, Dina Fox. I don't know if I knew that was. She's sort of the uh, uh, assistant store manager. She's in charge of security. Uh, some some Dwight Schrute vibes for sure, which uh, I feel like quite often. Well, not quite often, but often enough, uh, I find myself comparing. Uh, the show and some of the characters to those of the office. Uh, we've got, uh, Nico Santos, uh, playing Mateo Fernando Aquino Lawang. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sort of the gay um, Filipino guy. Uh, Garrett McNeil, played by Colton Dunn. Uh, he is a wheelchair user, although he's not in real life. I wonder what people think of that. Uh, Nicole Sakura, played Cheyenne Thompson. She was great. Uh, you know, she's the, the dumb character. <laughs> you gotta have the dumb character, right? Although some of them are not. Uh, Coco Kuani played, uh, Sandra Kalikoko Kuani. Oh, I, that's funny that they did that. Uh, oh no, it is different. I, I, I thought they just combined her real name into one fake last name. They, they almost did that. They didn't quite do that. She plays Sandra, just sort of a, sadly... I suppose if I'd use one descriptor for her it would be sad sack uh, uh, played to perfection and then this I fucking love and why I saved it for last the, the, there's other characters but the ones listed in the Wikipedia that I'm looking here uh, Mark McKenney yeah former kid in the hall plays Glenn Sturgis started out as the manager uh, eventually uh, uh, sort of steps down from that role which is not really important necessarily to the story but yeah he is just incredible in this uh, uh, one of the highlights maybe my favorite character yeah uh, would he be my favorite character yeah yeah uh, I just sort of scrolled looking at it um, just uh, insane over the top devote Christian yeah there's that as well uh, my favorite office character was Creed just if that tells you anything I don't know um, so this is a it, it's very quick quick witted um, they do what a lot of you know more modern uh, comedies I find do uh, these days which is uh, you know your, your jokes per minute are very high uh, no laugh track which thank god would have been ruined by that and uh, I, I just highly recommend a uh, uh, superstore easy easy for me to give five out of five highly recommend can't wait to watch season six i do have one prediction that i made to the missus and that is that uh, garrett uh, uh, played by colton dunn will sometime in season six probably towards the end uh, uh, stand up out of the wheelchair and will sort of announce that he never actually needed a wheelchair and he was just doing it so he didn't have to stand around all day. That is a prediction I am making. Uh, if it does come true, that will be, you know, interesting? Question mark? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's good. Conan, the librarian. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> book banter today's book banter is a arrakis spiced latte thank you for your sponsorship i did it i god damn did it dune by frank herbert holy shit i okay so i, I i've mentioned this in a few previous episodes i think but uh, i'll give you sort of the, the full story as i remember it that is uh, uh so in high school gotta be you know 19 years old probably like like right at the end uh um, they still had grade 13 uh so it was either in 12 or 13 uh they called 13 oac for some reason this is a ontario canada 
Uh, anyways, uh, and I was the last year that you had, well, we didn't actually have to do, I don't really know what OAC was for. I think it was like college prep is how they sort of phrased it. Um, you know, what does that stand for? Let's just see. OAC Ontario. Uh, extra tennis. Okay. So it was, uh, was replaced with an extra 10 days of schooling in each lower grade. And the material was integrated into earlier years of education. Ontario academic credits. Huh? Yeah. I don't really get it still, even after having read that description. Anyways, that's not important. What is important was that was the time of my life where I first tried to read the book of Dune. <laughs> And failed. Uh, yep. Yeah, probably got... Uh, I, I, it would have been fascinating to know how many pages I got into the book. Because then, probably a decade or so later, tried to read it again. And also failed. Uh, got, I do believe... I almost have memories of this, but not strong enough for me to say for sure. I got farther the next time. And then it's a little blurry. If there was one more time, there may have been, there may not have been. Uh, and then in the year of somebody's Lord, 2021, I tried to read it again. And this time, this time, my friends, I fucking did it. Yes. Uh, people I want to thank <laughs> for this achievement. Uh, Matt Koval. Matt Koval, uh, uh, you know, a dungeon master, uh, he has a, uh, such a strong, strong love for this book, for this, uh, I guess it's a series cause I think there's more than one. Um, and something that I love that he said of it is that if you try to read Dune and bounce off it, don't feel bad. It happens to people. So it, having him, someone, uh, you know, respect their opinion, say something like that is one of the reasons that I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to try it again. Uh, the other person, who else did I want to thank? Oh, shit. Yeah, there was somebody else. Uh, Frank Herbert? Sure. <laughs> That's not who it was, though. Oh, uh, fuck. You know, this would be good if I had a, uh, you know, if someone who did notes for their podcast, which I do not. Uh... Uh, okay, well, just time. Yeah, that was one of the persons I wanted to thank. Time and how time affects your mind and brain and allows you to change. People can change. And uh, uh, the development of the mind through either intelligence or wisdom or both that gives you different perspectives as you move through this thing called life. Thank you for that, because it means that, uh, uh, I guess I developed, changed, evolved. These are all, I feel, not totally accurate words, but somewhat accurate. That meant that I could appreciate the book more as I uh, have gotten older. Oh, uh, that's another person slash thing I wanted to thank was the new movie, uh, uh, Dune. Because I feel like watching that helped me to get through the initial parts of this book that were always sort of slow to me um, when I first started reading it. Uh, a lot of, mm, and not even a lot, just a lot for me who doesn't really care for it, a lot of politics 
in uh, uh, particularly in the first parts of this book, which I think is why I couldn't get through it. Um, a lot of politics and a lot of different characters combined to sort of you know caused me to bounce off it caused me to you know get into it and then sort of stop following it and uh, uh, because I don't care of politics and because there's a lot of characters you know you sort of get to the point where people are talking uh, about people you are not 100% sure who they are are talking about things you're not 100% sure what they're talking about which is not an ideal uh, position to be in when reading a book so the reason I'm thinking the movie is because the movie uh, if you don't know uh, apparently it's going to be a trilogy i think anyways uh the movie focused mostly on the first parts of the book meaning i watched the movie uh and then when i read the first parts of the book that i'd previously bounced off of i had sort of uh, the movie in my mind and be like, okay, yeah, so this person is this person in the movie, uh, and, and this is what is happening in this part of this book. And it sort of really helped me to uh, power through to the rest of the book that I actually did really enjoy. So, yeah, uh, uh, you know, if you have been in the same situation as me, try that. You know, what's interesting as well, I had watched the previous Dune movie, what is it, Jarakowski, something Kowski, um, that didn't help because that movie's fucking confusing as hell. So, uh, uh, but this new one definitely did. Uh, let me read the Goodreads because it looks like it might be interesting. Set on the desert planet Arrakis, Dune is the story of the boy Paul Atreides, heir to a noble family tasked with ruling an inhospitable world where the only thing of value is the spice mange. A drug capable of extending life I don't know if I knew that. Uh, and enhancing consciousness. Coveted across the known universe, Melange is a prize worth killing for. When House Atreides is portrayed, the destruction of Paul's family will set the boy on a journey toward a destiny greater than he could ever imagine. And as he evolves into the mysterious man known as the Muad'Dib, he will bring a he will bring to fruition humankind's most ancient and unattainable dream. Yeah, so uh, it's cool that it's got sort of, you know, the mixture of some sci-fi, some fantasy feeling, especially in terms of, um, you know, your, your prophecies, your chosen ones, stuff of that sort of nature. Um, but then uh, something I like of that, actually, is they sort of explain it in that his seemingly... I guess, would you just say psychic powers? Yeah, you kind of, I guess you kind of would. Uh, it, it's really just him uh, uh, having the ability uh, with using the spice to sort of see the possibilities, be able to weigh and measure what are the most likely scenarios based on his actions. That's sort of, uh, if I have all data on everything and make a choice, I will basically know through a, a sort of simulation almost, uh, what that choice will lead to. Uh, so, you know, that can look mystical from the outside. However, it's just, you know, it, it could look like foreknowledge, psychic powers, but it's really just, you know, data management in your mind. Uh, sort of fascinating. Uh, and then desert stuff. I feel like, um, I haven't read too, too much fantasy stuff in the desert. I guess I've done some of the Dark Suns. 
Yeah, it, it, it always has a vibe, and, and this definitely has a vibe. The whole book, in fact, uh, a definite Dune vibe. Like, you could, you, you could say the phrase Dune vibe, and uh, there's a definite feel to it, uh, which uh, by the end of the book I enjoyed. Uh, Rating-wise, man, it's been a fucking journey. It's been a journey. Uh, like the video game journey, which takes place in a desert for the most part. Huh? It's funny, I was just thinking of that game the other day. Uh, just sort of with regards to uh, how it's sad that uh, quite often, you know, it's not 100% across the board, as nothing really is, that women don't often like playing video games. And I can't blame them because uh, a, a world in which them playing video games has uh, been made comfortable doesn't really exist. I suppose it does in some regards, in some spaces, in some areas, in some games, but for the most part, uh, uh, men play video games more than women to a, a large degree, and that fact has always saddened me, not just for the reason that, you know, men are assholes and uh, have created this situation, but also because it means that women are not getting the chance to experience some of these games that are just truly beautiful art. And the one that always hops into my mind when I think of that is the game Journey. So, you know, we're tying shit together. I don't have a game Gabin segment for this episode, but, uh, you know, that was a mini one there. You're welcome. Anyways, rating-wise... I'm still not going to go five out of five. It took me 20 fucking years to read this book. So, <laughs> uh, and it was, a, it, you know, that means it's a difficult read, I suppose. And I think it's almost famously people bounce off this. Now that I have read it, uh, it's weird. I don't normally hem and haw over book ratings. I normally have it pretty obvious. I think I'll go four, four and change either up or down. Yeah. How about that for a convoluted rating? I pushed two buttons at once. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is brought to you by Raindrops on Roses and Whiskers on Kittens. Thank you for that sponsorship. Uh, item the first, Point Crow. Yeah, uh, Point Crow, I've spoken of before. He is a, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess he's a streamer, but also uh, posts his videos on YouTubes. Uh, up uploads things on YouTubes, which is uh, where I primarily uh, consume his content. Uh, very nice, uh, uh, sort of lighthearted, uh, uh, fun, uh, uh, looks like my cousin, <laughs> uh, dude who plays uh, Breath of the Wild, which is, uh, uh, a, a game not only that I love, but is also a game that's just so beautiful. Like, I like watching people play it, just for its sheer beauty alone. Like, I've watched, on more than one occasion, just videos of people, you know, walking from one end of the map to the other. Just a sort of really calm... Uh, again, I'm going to use the word beautiful, uh, uh, sight to behold. Anyways, so he's incredible at this game. Uh, obviously, he, he sort of has, has devoted, you know, vast quantities of his life to playing it. It makes sense that he uh, is good at it. But he's so good that he beat the, uh, uh, the uh, not the not the full game, but the 
oh, what's it called? The uh, Plateau, which is sort of the initial, you know, a, a section of the game. Normally, if it's your first time playing and you're just sort of playing as a normal person, one, you know, normally takes a, some hours uh, to play. If, you, if you're just sort of going through it at a leisurely place, uh, uh, pace, it's going to take, like, I bet you it took... I guess it depends on how leisurely your pace is. Uh, you know, three hours? I don't know. I'm sort of spitting uh, times out of my head. Anyways, he decided that he was going to do this initial section while fucking blindfolded. Literally with a blindfold on. Uh, and the way he did it is just uh, fascinating to watch. I, 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 even if you don't like people watching people play video games, which, you know... I suppose I, I can sort of understand, especially if it, 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 it's a media, it's a medium. Yeah, sure. It's a media medium that uh, if you've never, er, you know, had any experience with, I can understand you'd be like, why would you want to watch someone play a video game? You know, that, that that's a sentence we probably all heard. Um, but I feel like it's, it's more and more something that is calm and relaxing and uh, in this day and age when we need things to sort of zone out to, it's, it's, it, you know, it does that job well, somehow, some way. I wonder if, uh, you know what, if I was in college still, God forbid, I, I feel like that would be an interesting thesis. Like the, 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 why does this specific type of content, uh, uh quite often elicit this feeling? Hmm. Curious. Anyways. Yeah, so uh, he explains sort of his uh, memory tricks, which I wonder if they are his tricks or tricks that he sort of learned from others, of sort of uh, involving the moves he needs to make with, like, colors and shapes uh, and, and various tricks. He has, uh, he did a really cool thing that I thought uh, helped with the viewing that he would have on the screen what his next move would be, like, in his mind, what he was trying to remember. Like, for example... Uh, uh, 100 steps forward, you know, s something as, uh, as simple as that, or, or, or two steps to the right, push this button, <laughs> you know, that, 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 of, that sort of idea. And uh, it showed that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't work all the time. So he'll have to uh, revert to a previous save when the steps he was following get, you know, a little out of, a little out of whack, a little... Uh, a little crooked, if you will. It, it seemed to be quite often when he had to restart, when things were just not quite where he thought they were at a given moment. There's sort of audio cues uh, that he is listening for. It's just sort of a fascinating watch. I think it took him, like, he did it pretty quick, like, probably quicker than I did on my first, you know, actual playthrough. I, I of course, dicked around a lot, uh, whereas he knows exactly what he needs to do. So that probably actually, yeah interesting uh so you know check that out uh, also it's that time of year from my perspective which is december 5th there you go that's the behind the scenes action of you now knowing when i recorded this uh of uh, adam savage tested the youtube channel uh putting out their favorite things so uh, everyone who sort of works over there will get a little list of their their favorite things of 2021 uh, and, and then uh, make a video and uh, we get to see them. Uh, just sort of a, you know, a, a fun little thing. It's, it's not even necessarily like a things to buy people for Christmas. It's just things they liked from the year. And uh, you know, fun and informative. <clears throat> I wrote in my notes here, what would my favorite things be of 2021? 
And this has been a year where mostly because of, especially in the latter half, uh, where I've, you know, left my job, my, my, my well-paying job for a, uh, much less paying job, uh, where I've barely spent any money on anything, uh, which sort of in general, I have, uh, I feel like I have everything I need. Like, what more do I need? So I haven't really made any big purchases or anything. Yeah, what have I bought? I suppose I could look at my Amazon. Let's see if there's anything jumps out at me. We're doing a long episode today. This is going to be an hour-long one. I'm going to literally open up my orders. Okay, about a garage door opener. Not, not the actual opener, just the remote, because mine died. Uh, then I bought a new battery for it, but the battery didn't fix it, so I just bought a new one, which was like almost the same price as a new battery. Yeah, because that's the world we live in. And then it did work, so that's good. Uh, yeah, I bought some Mountain Dew Kickstart Midnight Grape Carbonated Soft Drink. Gotta say, pretty delicious. Brought a new shower head because uh, the one I was using, uh, you know, changing a setting on it, and it literally just fell into like a million pieces. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, it was pretty old. Like, I think it was the first one that I we bought in this house for that shower. Oh, yeah, okay. Got a new uh, coffee maker, uh, a 15-ounce mug. It's the Adder Chef Grab-and-Go Personal Coffee Maker. Uh, was using the... Oh, yeah, this is some fucking bullshit, actually. Uh, the missus convinced me that we needed an espresso. I guess it was last year or the year before. I was against it. I thought the uh, Keurig we had was fine, and also the pods are a lot cheaper. But we made a deal that, uh, yes, she can get it. You know, it's her money. She can do wh wh what she wants with it. But also, you got to su fucking supply me with these expensive pods. Deal or no deal. And uh, <laughs> we did make that deal. But then, the fucking bullshit part, uh, I like a large coffee. You know, 15 ounce, that's a good size. Uh, they stopped making the large size pods. Yeah, so you can't even get them anymore. Uh, so I would have to use two of these expensive pods, basically, to make one cup of coffee of the size that I desire, which is ridiculous. So I just bought this cheap little thing. It was friggin', uh, how much was it? 30 bucks. I think it was less. I think I actually bought it on, uh, what, what's that day? Uh, Prime Day. Yeah, it was like uh, just like almost 20 bucks, 20, 30 bucks. So, you know, so far so good. Got some Twinkies, because why not? Okay, yeah, I bought some masks. Uh, I had been using one sort of, uh, shit, what is it called? Uh, I forget what it's called. One, uh, a, a different type of mask. And I bought uh, five uh, black ones that are like washable and stuff, so that's fine. Uh, Hui Fong Chili Garlic Sauce. Bought some more of that. Finally ran out. I recommend that. It goes good on a lot of different stuff. Uh, uh, one a day men's gummy vitamin, multivitamins, of course. Yeah, I, I kind of really didn't buy basically anything, apparently, this year. Uh, so, there you go. Moving on to the final item. That's my best of 2021. Fucking gummy vitamins. You're welcome. Uh, the final item is uh, David, colon, a short film by Zach Woods. Yeah, this appeared on uh, the Team Coco YouTube channel. Uh, it stars Will Ferrell. It stars... Oh, 
Okay, so I need to open this. It stars uh, William Jackson Harper, who you may recognize as a Cheaty from The Good Place, as well as Fred Heikinger, H-E-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. Uh, an actor I had not yet seen, I don't think. He didn't look too familiar, uh, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed his performance. <laughs> this is one of those... Uh, how do you explain this? So, uh, Will Ferrell is a, uh, psychiatrist. Uh, uh, William Jackson Harper is his parent, uh, is his patient rather. And Fred is Will's, uh, son in it. And it's just the sort of understated, dark, comedic, uh, I kind of want you to watch it for yourself. And this is an episode that's long enough at this point that I'm not going to describe it further. Hey, we did it, folks. We fucking did it. Uh, all right. Uh, so looking forward to still episode 600, uh, 599, I figure I'll delve into it a little bit and then uh, 600 we're you know sort of going forward from there in a whole different whole different world is the plan i guess that leaves the final thing to say which is always the final thing to say which is it's nice to be nice to the nice this is the end of the show a sincere thank you for listening Time to plug some things and I do not mean butts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper